welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram, Ask Adam Torres, to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signing, all that good stuff. Um, really excited to have Todd Duncan on the line today. He's the CEO, president, and founder of uh, Digipath Inc. Uh, that's a publicly traded company, symbol D-I-G-P. And he's also the president of the National Mar- Marijuana News Corp. Um, Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. Happy to be here. Uh, oh, and, and let me not um, forget to mention, and Todd is also a contributing author to the recent Money Matters Business Leader edition. Um, his chapter was entitled Taking Advantage of Trends in Emerging Marketplaces. And um, Todd, I want to talk about these trends. Great. Great. Yeah. And uh, uh, if you haven't already, you should go pick up the book. It's uh, very insightful, uh, not just my chapter, but all of the other authors, very uh, uh you know, insightful entrepreneurs with really incredible stories. And uh, you did a really great job with that, Adam. And, um, you know, it's nice to be co-authored. So thank you, Todd. Um, I, I, let's just give the – so for those that haven't read the book yet, let's let's just start with a little bit of your background so to, to kind of set the stage for what you're currently doing. So in, in your uh, chapter, you write a lot about um, about – Friends and how you're able to capitalize them. I, I say we just start at the beginning. Let's talk about your early days in radio. Sure, sure, yeah. So when I was in college, I uh, I got an internship at the local radio station that I fell in love with as a kid, and it was a really big thrill. And I thought that hey, this is my angle to success. I uh, certainly have a gift of gab, and uh, I had some a pretty good voice back then, and. Uh, we uh, so so I got involved in radio and I really thought that uh, this was really my connection to uh, my my journey right and uh, then I got interested in television because I saw that radio was kind of a you know dying industry you know to uh, to start in and uh, jumped over to TV and then you know broadcast TV turned into cable TV right right before my eyes mm-hmm. and uh, then jumped in I was a casting director at Nickelodeon for a couple of years. Um, you know, suddenly this big giant conglomerate uh, cable company, Viacom, uh, you know, they owned MTV Networks and Nickelodeon and uh, VH1 and all this, and uh, got my big taste in in uh, cable television, and then I parlayed that into a uh, career at an advertising agency down in Miami. Started uh, working uh, at the busiest ad agency in Miami, producing thousands of commercials in a five and a half year span. Wow. Uh, and while I was doing that, <laughs> right, while I was doing that, I also uh, saw this trend moving into, you know, VHS and DVDs. That's how long ago this was, and that's how old I am, right? <laughs> so as these, um, you know, these uh, VHS tapes and DVDs were made, well, uh, I got a four-year uh, gig with uh, Playboy TV and Playboy Entertainment Group and uh, created, you know, uh, hundreds of hours of content uh, content for them. And then... Uh, you know, after that, it was, uh, you know, Internet time and everything. This was in the late 90s and mm-hmm. everybody was getting rich on the Internet, right? And it was Internet this and Internet that. And uh, I called an old client of mine and uh, he had a big Internet company in Las Vegas, Nevada in uh, 1999. And he said, hey, come on out for two weeks. Um, I got some really great technology and we're going to change the world. Well, that sounded very attractive to me. <laughs> so 
I, uh, I came out to Las Vegas, and uh, then we took this uh, technology company in the dot-com 90s and 2000s. We ended up uh, eventually, you know, we lived through uh, 9-11, and we lived through the, um, the, the dot-com bubble burst, and then uh, we eventually took that company public and uh, built it to a $300 million market cap, which is very exciting. And then, uh, like you said, uh, you know, this is like 2008, and, uh, you know, we were looking for something else. What's next? because we had just come off the streaming video trend, and this is mm-hmm. before YouTube was really big and before Facebook. It was really when MySpace was the only real social network out there, right? And then wow. um, we were real successful in the streaming video space. We built a big company, and uh, we were looking for the next trend, and uh, it was grow your own uh, because marijuana was becoming legal you know, around the country. Slowly but surely, medical marijuana was becoming legal, and we said, well – we got to take advantage of that as well. So I uh, got with my partner and we bought a hydroponic company in Los Angeles, a 25-year-old company called Photodron. And we uh, took that company public. And then uh, in 2014, when, uh, you know, when Colorado went recreationally legal and changed really the face of the business of marijuana, um, you know, our stock went from uh, uh, around a nickel to about 85 cents. <laughs> and wow. and uh, uh, again, we were able to uh, take advantage of just getting in early on this big trend and then uh, capitalizing on it now. And then uh, we parlayed that into now my third publicly traded company. We're a, a, a publicly traded uh, cannabis testing lab company. Uh, that And also we capture lots and lots of data from our analytical testing. We're based in Las Vegas, Nevada, like you mentioned. We're, uh, we're, our our uh, stock symbol is D-I-G-P. Definitely take a look at us. But uh, we've been in the cannabis space now uh, with Indigipath for uh, about four and a half years now. Uh, I came on board here in 2014, and um, uh, we have been uh, changing the way that people do science on cannabis and cannabis products. And uh, it's really exciting to be a part of the birth of this new industry. Let's talk a little bit more about um, DigiPath and like how important testing is because some people, you know, uh, that are listening to this, they know they, ob- and, and especially if they're not in California, um, they know, you know, obviously certain states are legal, certain, and, and there's, they know there's, there's potential, there's regulation, there's a lot of things going on. Let's just start with the testing um, as a, as a sure. primer. Um, how, how does no, that absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, every state, uh, is different. So we are in Nevada right now, and we have the most stringent testing rules uh, nationwide. Uh, although California, now that they finally went uh, uh, completely uh, testing compliant uh, January 1st this year, uh, their rules are very close to what we do here in Nevada. But we test for really everything dangerous, and we also test for the potency. So we check for the cannabinoids, which is the THC and all the CBDs that you hear talk about on the news all the time, right? So we tell you how potent it is. So you know when you intake, uh, you know what to expect from a potency standpoint. We also test for, so we test for 11 different cannabinoids. We also test the terpenes. The terpene is the the, uh, smell and the taste that you get from cannabis plants. Uh, Terpenes are also in all plants, uh, but they're very highly concentrated in the cannabis plant. So we test for 22 different terpenes as well as those 11 cannabinoids, and we determine what's called a chemo profile, which is really the potency of the cannabis that you're about to consume. And then we do a bunch of safety tests. We give everything a visual inspection uh, under a microscope to make sure that there's no 
you know, bug parts or human hairs or fingernails or, you know, anything that shouldn't be in there. Uh, we give it a very intense microbial screen where we test for uh, E. coli, salmonella, uh, coliforms, gram-negative bacteria, total aerobic bacteria. We also test for uh, total mold and yeast and four different species of aspergillus. So that's the biggest issue with uh, uh, testing cannabis is that, you know, this is a plant, so it attracts lots of microbials, and uh, uh, it's a very intense screen to make sure that everything is clean. We test for heavy metals here in Nevada, um, and we also test for um, residual pesticides. Uh, there's 24 different pesticides that we test for here in Nevada, and then if you have an extract that is made with anything other than CO2, like a butter, a batter, an oil, a whatever, um, then we also test for the residual solvent uh, that's left over uh, if you're using uh, heptane or propane or butane in order to uh, create that solvent. So it's a very intense screen, and you know that if you are buying cannabis in uh, Nevada, then it has been tested because everything has to be tested before it is sold um, at the dispensaries, and uh, you know it's clean and it has been uh, really uh, well tested. Mm. So um, let's. I appreciate all of that. Um, let's just sure. say uh, education. I didn't know uh, half of the stuff you mentioned, of course, and I'm sure some <laughs> of the listeners that are unless you're unless you're we're in the uh, in the laboratory uh, environment, you probably didn't know it either. But um, sure. that being said, um, let's talk a little bit more about this trend. Um, and and what I mean by that is. You, you mentioned, you know, you got in kind of early to the whole movement. Um, how far along do you think we are in this movement? Are we still kind of in the really early stages, or what are you thinking about the market maturing in general? Yeah, so overall, I still think we're in the very early stages. People say that it's the infancy stage. I've been saying for the last, you know, year or so, we're still pregnant. <laughs> you know, but I also, so with that said, I also like to call this time in history Cannabis 3.0, because, you know, Cannabis 1.0 was the initial legalization where it was medically legal in California, and slowly, very slowly, um, you know, other states came on board, right? And then Cannabis 2.0, I call right when Colorado uh, went recreational uh, legal in 2014, because it really changed the landscape of the cannabis industry as an industry. Because suddenly, you know, all of these businesses were sprouting up, whether they were dispensaries or cultivators or manufacturers or distributors or now also mentioned all of the ancillary um, uh, businesses like testing, like electrical, like plumbing, like construction, like uh, environmental waste, like all of these things that are touched, including sales, marketing, websites, accounting, and every other thing you need in a business, right? It, it, it made a huge spike in not only the cannabis economy, but in the economy in general. And those were still, those businesses were still owned by, you know, the renegades, the, the pioneers, the guys with the arrows in the back. Um, mm -hmm. And not a lot, not all of them were really qualified to run a business. They know a lot about marijuana, but, you know, if you, I always say if you take out the sexy word marijuana, we're just in business, right? I run a lab, mm -hmm. right? It happens to be a marijuana lab, right? But if we take that word out, it's just a lab. And, and then uh, what happened was 
all of the money was being made. And then suddenly, Wall Street takes a look at all the money that's being made. And even though uh, this has been happening for several years, Wall Street is still taking a back seat to a lot of this stuff because it's federally illegal, it's very nervous, but they can't deny the money that is exchanging hands and the tax dollars that are being earned uh, in all of these states. And suddenly, it's, I call this, like I said, Cannabis 3.0, where Wall Street is interested. There are a couple hundred uh, publicly traded cannabis companies now. Uh, there are a couple on the NASDAQ, right? It, this is now becoming a global marketplace with Canada going uh, legal and Colombia going legal and Israel going legal, all growing for export to other countries going legal like Germany and Poland and all throughout Europe. So this, there's a major shift happening right now, and the local cannabis businesses are really turning into or being acquired by the big global players, which I believe over time will uh, consume uh, the rest of the industry. And then eventually over time, uh, if it stays a medical product, then eventually the, um, uh, it'll be regulated by the FDA and then Big Pharma will come in and own it all. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that, that I think, though, that's, that's, uh, I think that's 10 years away, you know. But, that's uh, not what that long. Happening? No, 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 it's not that nothing. long. But, it, but it's, no, no, no. It's not that long in, in, in the history of time, but it's long when you're sitting in the chair going, in 10 years, we're going to do really well, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> um, but, but yes, that's, 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 you know, that's, my, that's how I see it's going to happen. That's how I see this trend. And I see uh, what's happening not only based on the work that we do here at DigiPath, but uh, as I watch the market, um, as it moves, you know, new and interesting products are being developed because we can finally analyze this plant and we can do some research on the plant. And, you know, you see this CBD happening and popping up everywhere in the world, right? There's going to there's CBD pumpkin pie and there's CBD face cream and there's CBD everything else, right? <laughs> so Carl um, Jr. had a CBD uh, hamburger I heard on the radio. <laughs> exactly. I read today that uh, that McDonald's just announced one and so did Burger King. Did they really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So it's everything's moving in that direction, but what I believe is going to happen over time as cannabis gets federally legal or certainly more accepted in the um, in the legal states that it's in, um, you know, you're going to see those kinds of things, uh, all with THC in them, from the pumpkin pie to the face cream, you know, and everything in between. But I also believe that um, cannabis will end up being an ingredient plant. So the ability to extract, you know, just a CBD, to extract the CBN molecule, or to extract certain um, uh, terpenes, uh, in order to use those ingredients as ingredients in other products. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. right. So, so over time, that's what I believe the big picture is going to look like. And all of that will turn uh, into personalized medicine where you'll get a DNA screen, and based on the deficiency of your personal DNA, you will be assigned X amount of CBD and X amount of THC and X amount of terpenoline and X amount of, uh, you know, uh, caryophylline and, and many of the other terpenes and cannabinoids 
uh, that exist in the flavonoids that we're not even exploring yet. Um, but I believe that uh, everything will turn into personalized medicine based on your DNA, the needs of your deficiencies, and to fill your endocannabinoid system with what it's missing from a cannabinoid standpoint and to fill your olfactory receptors with the, uh, with, with the terpenes uh, that you're lacking in your own physiology. But again, I, I think that is 10 or maybe even 15 years down the road, but I definitely see that happening. And so in the past, I mean, the plant itself, the, you know, as it was a, you know, a drug, um, um, it wasn't studied as much or, you know, access to it, I, I'm assuming, where it wasn't, it wasn't something that everybody had in their lab. Um, now no, it was illegal. Have, now, that, now, <laughs> yeah. that, now that you're um, obviously in the driver's seat on a, on a large lab and you're coming across a lot of data and things, what do you think the, the future looks like now that we can actually, now that you, like companies like yourself, have access to this data um, for the future of that industry? You know, I think it's just going to get bigger and better and stronger and faster, and I believe it will be it will be bigger than soybean. It will be bigger than the movies, and uh, there's really no stopping it. You know, this is an industry that is uh, put together by renegades and activists, right? And uh, it's proven that when an activist changes a law, it be you know the civil rights were activists, women's mm-hmm. voting rights, you're right, were all activists. Right. Uh, uh, the, the, the Vietnam War and the end of that was all activists that, that made a difference. And the same thing in the cannabis space. So it's a very strong base. And you can't take away the right. But the future is just so broad. It's really stuff that we haven't even thought of yet. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we analyze our data on a pretty regular basis. And the truth is, we don't know what it's going to tell us. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the, yeah. the, the wonderful and exciting part that, that we take part in from a lab perspective is that we collect all the data. And, you know, I have an on staff, uh, you know, uh, analyst who's a master degree statistician who analyzes our data on a regular basis. And, you know, we try to piece together the story and it, and it helps us move in the direction that we move in. Um, but I see this as a uh, the can attack companies, uh, the mm-hmm. companies that are really embracing technology to uh, to understand the data, to create the new and exciting products that are really helping lots of people. Um, I think those are the ones that are going to succeed. I think that the big companies will swallow up the small companies. Um, and and uh, there will always be boutique growers because of the black market connoisseur customer that exists in the cannabis space, right? It's going to be like a you know, you'll, you'll, you can always get a beer from your guy down the street or you can always get a wine from your favorite winery down the street who doesn't mm-hmm. really sell to Costco, right? So there's always yeah, going to be those boutique, grow, boutique growers and, you know, the, the marijuana purist who's going to want their flower from a certain guy because that's their guy and that's their strain mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. what makes them feel good. And they're willing to pay for that. But over time, uh, I believe all of that will go away. There won't be any more green crack or, you know, blue haze. It'll all have scientific names, and it'll all be, you know, really uh, uh, done more scientifically rather than, uh, you know, let's keep it uh, ironic as we name things, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, which is how the Can you imagine? Are. You know what I'm thinking yeah, of right now? Can you imagine if when, when Darwin was collecting samples of the Galactic Coast Islands, he's like, let's see, what can I name this one? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Like, well, they say that uh, – 
You know, that's awesome. Yeah, they say that if, yeah, if cannabis was discovered today, uh, either mm-hmm. by Darwin or in the Amazon forest, yep. you know, uh, uh, without the bad marketing that it's received since the 1920s, then uh, it would be revered as a panacea, and uh, whoever discovered it would would win the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, it is a uh, very unstudied uh, plant because it's been mm-hmm. illegal for so long. Uh, so really, the future is wide open in this industry, and you know, you just got to figure out you know which avenue you want to take. You know, because there are lots and lots of avenues, and it's not just cultivation, dispensaries, distribution, and labs, right? All of the mm-hmm. other ancillary businesses touch this business, like packaging and, and uh, 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 just so many of them that, that touch uh, because it's a very difficult uh, plant to grow. It takes special care. And when you're growing it indoors, which is what you have to do in Nevada, um, you know, you need power and you need labor and you need, uh, you know, the right electric and the right plumbing and the right everything else that goes along with mm-hmm. industrial agriculture or manufacturing, because if you break it down, that's really what it is. You know, a cultivator is a manufacturer, right? He has got to make his product. It has to come in on time, on budget. It's got to pass a bunch of safety tests and it has to be packaged then it has to be marketed, then it has to be sold, and then you got to rinse and repeat. That's just Monday and Tuesday, right? On mm-hmm. Wednesday, you got to do the same thing, <laughs> right? So the folks that embrace the business side of things and the science side of things and understand and move in the direction of being more efficient with your manufacturing plant and your industrial agriculture, those are the folks that are going to survive, you know, the buyouts, or those are the ones that are going to be bought. Mm. Let's um let's let's touch on the national marijuana news, um, which I know you also run. And the reason I want to get into that is because you know we're we're only gonna have so much time on this on this podcast interview sure. to kind of go through. And I know the people listening to this are gonna have tons of more questions, like you know what's the next trend? What do you think's interesting? What if they're looking to invest as a business owner? What what are some things they should be looking at? All these other things that we're not gonna have time to touch on today. Right. Let's just talk about the national marijuana want to use as an outlet, what you do, and the, and the people you're serving. Sure. Uh, so the National Marijuana News started because we were in the middle of uh, licensing here in Nevada, and there was about an eight-month waiting period. So having my background, as I mentioned earlier, in the radio, television, uh, broadcasting uh, uh, you know, businesses, uh, we started the National Marijuana News in order to promote DigiPath, you know, because there's not a lot of uh, places for advertising of cannabis products and cannabis services. Uh, so we wanted to create our own. Uh, well, in doing so, we started uh, we started a radio show and we started interviewing all the movers and shakers of the cannabis space. Uh, we captured all of that stuff on video as well. We were on the air in uh, a half a dozen cities around the country and then uh, realized that we can touch more people with a podcast on the internet than we can with local radio. So we shifted a little uh, our, our business model and focus now uh, clearly on the internet and on podcasting and, and Facebook lives. And now that the technology is so easy to use, um, you know, we can really touch the audience better, stronger, faster uh, without it costing a lot of money, which is how broadcast television used to be. So uh, now, you know, over the years, we have uh, curated or written ourselves or distributed, you know, six or 7,000 articles uh, of relevance, uh, good, bad, and ugly of the cannabis space. And we really have been documenting 
you know, the end of prohibition, not only with the, uh, uh, the, the articles that we've uh, put out there, but also with the interviews that we've done. You know, we have over 150 interviews with, like I said, the movers and shakers of the cannabis space. And really, we want to present cannabis to the novice, to, to the person who doesn't know um, about cannabis, to and, and let them know that it's you just need to be educated in order to understand what it is, how it works, so many people like it, and why so many people don't like it. So we like to offer up, like I said, unbiased cannabis news, interviews, and education uh, on the National Marijuana News at, at tnmnews.com and the nationalmarijuanamews.com. We have a very active Facebook page. We have uh, over 170,000 likes and a very busy, interactive audience that is really wanting more and more information on the national marijuana on, on marijuana and the movement nationally, uh, you know, here uh, both medically and recreationally. So it's been a nice little outlet for us to tell our story from a DigiPath standpoint, as well as embrace other people's story because you know all all boats will rise in this tide. That's awesome. Um, and let's see. So let's start with um, what's the best way for uh, for somebody that's listening to get more information about DigiPath? Let's start there. Oh, easy. Uh, DigiPath.com. D-I-G-I-P-A-T-H.com. That is our public company site. And then you can go also to DigiPathLabs.com, which is DigiPath, and then Labs at the end of it. <laughs> .com. And that is our uh, our lab company here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, if you want to learn about cannabis and uh, get educated, listen to some great interviews and read some great stuff and interact with the folks we have over there, that's uh, tnmnews.com or the nationalmarijuanaNews.com. And uh, we have another company called Grow Sciences, which is our, our product development side of the house, and that's grosciences.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're also on Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter, um, and you can find us there as well. That's awesome. Well, hey, Todd, I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, giving us uh, some updates on um, what's going on with your companies, also with what's going on in the whole cannabis culture and and, and movement and trend. Um, all, all great stuff. I appreciate it. Um, to the listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, do all those uh, great things we do to support our podcasters. I appreciate it. Uh, and thank you again, Todd. Thank you.